بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا ما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا امين Beloved uh, listeners, brothers and sisters and guests of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Alhamdulillah, we've been blessed to uh, go through the stories of the prophets from Surah Al-Anbiya And last week we got a chance to go through the story of Nuh alayhi salam and the difficulties that he went through And uh, eventually how Allah azza wa jal saved him uh, from uh, his nation after he made such a strong, a long effort. And then we covered the story of Sulaiman uh, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, granted him so much power in his dunya. And additionally, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed him to be inspired to uh, uh, g- come up with such a great explanation of a situation that was brought to him, whereby both parties were happy and uh, both parties were end, ended up getting a solution that would be uh, not too challenging for them. This is the story of the, uh, the sheep of one party eating up and, going and destroying the field of the other. So one thing was mentioned there about ilm uh, ladunni and ilm ishraqi, where a person, wins, wins, along with studying the external sources of, benefiting from the external obvious sources of knowledge, when a person has a certain level of taqwa, tazkiyah, in uh, ta'alluq ma'allah then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspires them with, with knowledge which is not uh, obvious to everyone and so that's, that was a discussion of Fafahamnaha Sulaiman how Allah azawal says I ex- we explained it to Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam now we move on to the story of Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam inshallah today Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam and Yunus alayhi salam's story a few ayats will be covering here أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأيوب إذ نادى ربه أني مسني الضر وأنت أرحم الراحمين فاستجبنا له فكشفنا ما به من ضر وآتيناه أهله وآتيناه أهله ومثلهم معهم رحمة من عندنا وذكرى للعابدين وإسماعيل وإدريس وذا الكفل كل من الصابرين وأدخلناهم في رحمتنا إنهم من الصالحين وذنون إذ ذهب مغاضبا فظن أن لن نقدر عليه فنادى فنادى في الظلمات أن لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين فاستجبنا له ونجيناه من الغم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says And remember and mention the story of Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam When he called out to his Lord When he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Anni dur Oh Allah I have been afflicted with unbearable difficulty An ailment has touched me And you are most merciful of those who show mercy so this is the dua of Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam. When afflicted with mercy, when afflicted with difficulty, how we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when, with regards to what type of difficulty that was, 
um, this is more than likely a difficulty in um, either in his phys- physical body or spiritual, or he was um, uh, difficulty of the emotions with the fact that his nation was not responding to him. And when your when your nation doesn't respond, it obviously hurts because you're making an effort for their khair and for their good, and they don't understand, and they um, uh, you know turn their backs on you. So this was definitely uh, obviously a hard thing for Ayub alayhi salatu salam. As regards to uh, you know those opinion, those Israeli um, narrations that talk about uh, physically being affected through various uh, diseases uh, that would make his body you know, in a, in a manner that people would want to walk away and run away from him. This doesn't befit the status of the prophets. Uh, the prophets are known to all be uh, very pure, clean, handsome, charismatic. All physical features of all the prophets have been very beautiful. So that people are naturally also attracted to them. This was not one of those things and that they get tested through uh, a, a challenging or a not so you know, attractive look. It's Allah Azza wa Jal kept the prophets beautiful, handsome and attractive. And um, so to, to, to be afflicted with such type of diseases that the worms are going in and out through his flesh and uh, the, the insects are eating through his body, etc. These type of narrations. And they are not authentic hadiths. These are mentioned as what we call Israeliyat. Mentions in the books of the uh, previous nations and hence we don't have to accept any of those things. Uh, and rather they don't they don't fall in line with the way Allah has kept His prophets. So this could have been any type of, of difficulty that he's going through. But many ulama also mentioned the fact that the difficulty, the greatest difficulty for a prophet is to see his nation going towards Jahannam. Right? And the fact that they're not listening. So this is one of those things he was afflicted with. Okay. And then... He turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, Ya Allah, uh, this is uh, unbearable to see what my nation is doing to me or do- doing to the deen. And I've been afflicted. You are the most merciful of those who show mercy. It's interesting. We're going to do two du'as today of prophets. We just did this one and you know, La ilaha illa subhanak is also, we just, I just recited it. Both of these du'as have one thing in common. They, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us that in the, these two prophets did not openly ask for anything. They just praised Allah, thanked, uh, praised Allah, uh, uh, expressed his, his, his greatness, grandeur, and the fact that He's free of all fault, and uh, just said, we're sinners, or we're, we've, we've been, we, we're in problem, we're in difficulty. Like here, I've been afflicted. Yani, for me to just share my condition with Allah is sufficient. This is... Um, Sometimes this, situ- this is a more powerful way of asking than openly asking. A person says, can you give me, please, can you give me a glass of water? And there's another person who's panting, he's sweating, he's about to fall down, right? His hal, his condition speaks louder. His condition is saying, I really need water. When someone's asking for water, you might, you might say, okay, I'm getting it, hold on. But if you see someone collapsing, and he looks like he's being afflicted by some major catastrophe, his hal, his condition speaks louder than his tongue. And you run and you grab the water and go give it to him. 
So this is one of the things that you see in these two du'as is that it's not clear-cut asking, Allah, give me this, give me this, give me that. It's about expressing our absolute humility and humbleness in front of Allah. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees that, that's it. Why I'm saying this is because we don't know how to ask Allah. We Frankly, we don't. Dua, most of us do not know how to make dua. Especially those who grew up born and raised here, who didn't get a chance to spend time with the elders, who never heard, attended great gatherings where ulama, you know, and didn't hear the dua of the ulama, and the pious people. They think you can't ask Allah in English. They think maybe you, you just, you know, uh, just say, I need this, I need this, I need this. So this is not just a wish list you're just writing up and sending it up somewhere. There's a whole level of humility. And humility is what people, unfortunately, we lack. We lack our generation and the people in this country especially. We have a major problem with being humble. So everyone thinks they know it better. And this is not just here, it's all over. Everyone is happy with his own opinion and thinks he knows better than everyone else. This is the, the, one of the prophecies of Rasulullah that that will happen before the Day of Judgment where people will just think that they know better than everyone else. So dua is, requires humility. If you don't... <laughs> If we don't have, if we're not humble, then uh, sorry, we can't, we know, what are you going to get? I mean, why I'm saying this is because many times people may hear, for example, in a collective dua, someone may be saying, Ya Allah, we've committed sins. Ya Rabbi Allah, ma Rabbi, inni zalamtu nafsi, inni zalamtu nafsi, right? Bi-ahmadik astaghif, inni kutu minal zalimin. And in English, in Urdu, whatever. You hear dua, Ya Allah, we've oppressed ourselves, we sin. Someone may say, hold on, maybe you did, I didn't. So he says, what? Maybe, what murder did you commit? What about me? I didn't. I just came here to the dua, khatma Quran dua. Why is everyone talking about I'm sinful? I'm not. So that is the problem. The fact that you don't think you've done anything wrong is the biggest sin. A person may, as long as a person feels humble and, and sad in himself that he's, he's, he's sinful, alhamdulillah, there's always chance. But arrogance, there's no chance for arrogance to be forgiven. Unless you throw out that arrogance and say, I'm sorry, I've been arrogant. When an arrogant person will not get the tawfiq to repent because he always thinks he's right. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. He doesn't understand why are people, other people are crying. Why are other people seeking forgiveness? He says, I haven't done anything wrong. This is a problem. Don't we hear that? I haven't done nothing wrong. No, we've, uh, we, with the fact that we are even drinking water and, and breathing right now is a blessing of Allah that you and I don't deserve. Nothing. We deserve nothing. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to take people to task for their sins, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says He would not live, let Allah, uh, He would not allow a single living creature to crawl. Nothing. No crawling creature would be allowed to survive. Everyone would be wiped out. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply is being merciful. That he allows us to live. So atheists don't like this. Modern day materialistic people don't like this. They hate this. That's the pro- this is the root cause of athe- this is the root reason of atheism, agnosticism, and all these people leaving and wanting to leave Islam because of the nafs is too big. They hate humbling themselves in front of a supreme being because they love to do whatever they want to do. Today, that's what it is. Uh, my 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 wallet, my car, my phone, my friends, my I do whatever I want. We're con- constantly we're, we're the hedonism culture is being pushed. That you you you'd follow your desire. You should do what you should do. Better by you should. Why do you force? Why should anyone force you? Whatever you want to do, you should do it. That's nature. 
If you, you think you are this, then that's what you are. If you think you are that, then that's what you are. If you think you're attracted to this one, I was so surprised I was traveling so right now and doing programs in another state. And I did many programs, alhamdulillah. And then I was surprised how many t- questions I was receiving through anonymous Slido that we use here. I was using the same thing. How many questions I was getting on LGBTQ? I was surprised. I mean, I talk about it a lot. You wonder why I talk about it so much. But subhanAllah, the questions, what should I do with my, if my child says he's attracted to the same gender. What should I do if she says, SubhanAllah. And then, you know how a slider works. If you keep on pressing thumbs up, it gets, if, if you, it gets up to the top. That question was just being bumped up again and again. Not one, like three types like, of these questions. And this is a women's only talk I was giving. Right? So you know, the mother's sitting there, worried about what's happening in their homes. Obviously their kids are coming talking to them. Daughters, sons, everything. It's a crazy crisis we're dealing with. But uh, what is the real reason? It comes down to, Ittaba'u shahwat, following the shahwa. Right? That's it. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the human being, He gave him shahwa and He gave him aql. In the animal, He gave him only shahwa. And in the angel, He only gave him aql. So the angels got only aql. Animals got only shahwa. We've got shahwa and lust and aql, both. So we are supposed to become angelic and not animalistic. We're supposed to use our aql to control our lust. Use our intelligence to control the lust. Animals, since they don't have the aql, they, they just they fulfill the shahwa, but the, even their shahwa has limits. Because they don't have shaitan working on them the way he works with us. Our shahwa has no limits. It's, it just keeps on getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And you say, wait, how come the 50, 100 years ago the human being didn't think of this stuff? How come a thousand or 500 or 200 years ago human being didn't think of these type of things? Because in animals, you don't usually see this type of regression and this type of expansion of shahwat. But a human being, you see this expansion of shahwat because of the shaitanic, satanic influences which the animal more than likely is protected from. But we get all of this. So that is why such shahwat that human beings usually have never thought about, which are what we call khilaful fitrah, absolutely against the innate nature which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us with, are being channeled within our circles. And these are the things. And what we, what we commonly keep on her, are being told is that let people listen to their inner voice. The inner voice, if it's a devil, how can you allow them to listen to the inner voice? That inner voice tells sometimes, shoot up, shoot, up, kill, shoot up your house. And they actually say that. Some of these killers who shoot up their homes, kill their parents, if you ask them, why did you do this? They'll say, there's a voice in me to tell me to do that. So I did it. This is really serious. They'll say that in their trial. Right? So what is this inner voice? That same inner voice sometimes tells a person to be attracted to their own gender. Says to be attracted to their own sibling. Allah forbid. All kinds of crazy stuff is happening. We have to put it down. We have to teach this again and again and again. And again. You cannot listen to your just inner voice. You have to make sure your inner voice is lined with in sharia. Like your child. Should you listen to your child? Yeah, okay. As long as they don't say something. Should you listen to your spouse? Okay. As long as what your child, your spouse, is not saying something that's against sharia. Even our parents, we must listen to them. But what does the Quran say? Quran says, If they force you to do some, commit shirk, then do not obey them. But besides that, yes, you obey them. So this is not an inner voice. This is a very clear voice of your father, clear voice of your mother. But if they're asking you to commit shirk, we cannot listen to that voice. So if they ask you to commit a or لا تعطي المخلوق في معصية الخالق, no way we can obey the creation if it entails the obedience, disobedience of the Creator. There is no obedience of the creation if it entails the disobedience of the Creator. That is the hadith of Rasulullah fitna. Indeed, your wealth and your children are a fitna. Right? Indeed, your spouses and your children, some of them are your enemy. So be careful. 
What, are they, what does this mean? That spouse, that child, that parent, that sibling, that, that beloved, that asks you to do something that is against the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we cannot blindly listen to what they say. We must listen to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and realize that this person, this wife, this husband, this child, this parent, is in reality a, sh- a shaitan in the form of them who is coming to deceive us and mislead us. So we cannot engage in haram in order to please them. So this is, the, this is with external beings around us, our own relatives. Then how can we listen to the inner voice if that goes completely against the sharia? So we must stamp this out, push it out from us and our children's minds. That you cannot just say, I just feel like it, just do it. No, that's not how a Muslim leads his life. We don't just do it. We always see, does it go in, correspond with the sharia or not? So we have to become angelic. Work towards making the aql control, controlling the shahwa. You have heard many times, aqala, the intellect comes from the word aqala, which means to tie. And the iqal is the rope that the Arabs, nomadic Arabs used to tie around the, uh, the knees of the camel when they would have the camel sit down and uh, you know park so when they would park the parking brake right this would be the hand brake you want to call that the iqal would be the hand brake on the knees black rope you tie it around and you would and then the camel can't move so then when they would sit on the camel and start traveling once again they take that parking brake and they put it on top of their head hence this is the origin of the black rope circular rope that is on the heads of many middle eastern men or those who like to dress in that manner yeah? Okay, so that's why they call it igal. When it's actually iqal. Alright? And same thing. So the aqala means to tie. So we have to use our intelligence to, to subhanAllah, to tie our shahwa. What's going on right now? Right now we cannot have an open conversation outside of these four walls. Alright? People get trouble. Many people, if they speak as open as I do, and who work in uh, a corporate, and if this voice bits go out, they lose their job. You know how it is. That's how it is. It's crazy. And look what the uproar is happening in the World Cup. Subhanallah, everything has been politicized. Everything has been politicized, right? Everything is being, this, this agenda is being, what, why? why? Mm, shahwa. Like today when I was traveling, recently I was traveling to the airport, now it's the first time I'm seeing male, male, female, he said, I heard the same gender or whatever. Now you actually see a third sign showing up next to it. Male, female, and the third one. Someone posted a really nice, sad reality. They said, only the children in the 90s will know what this means. Please identify yourself as male or female. I said, this question is only going to be known to people pr- born prior to 2000. Anyone born after 2000? And they will, they will never even know this type of question existed. Because it will be male, female, another five things. At least one more, if not another five. Isn't that true? Right? This, is how, this is how it is, the world has changed. So now you say, you know, have you lost your mind? That's exactly what happened. They have lost their mind. What's happened? The shahwa has overrided the aql. So now speaking to people, they, you're, you're speaking to a wall. They just will not comprehend and understand what's going on. So subhanAllah, this is the, uh, the, uh, the predicament that we're in, we're faced with. That we have an issue of humility. If humil- this is where we started off our discussion. If we're humble and we are uh, uh, not arrogant, then we don't mind taking orders from our superiors. And then from their superiors, we'll, we'll, we will listen to our... Uh, we will listen to... Subhanallah, Allah Azza wa Jal. I was speaking to the student, one of the students, I mean, one class of students, I was talking about uh, Qari Amirul Hassan, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, who uh, 
Alhamdulillah, I was blessed to be his student. Uh, and I, got a, I was blessed to spend some time with him. He was uh, 60 years with Mona Abrar al-Haqsab. He was there uh, in his madrasa, you know, even after Mona Abrar al-Haqsab passed away. So I remember when someone told me, go, I went after graduation, after serving a few years, I said, I want to go spend some time in the company of a sheikh. I really need this. So I called him, someone gave me his number. He was already late 80s. I called him and I said, Azad, you know, I'm coming to spend some time with you. So he doesn't know me. So he said, Why are you coming? And I told him, but I'm coming to, spe- to, to, to benefit from. I'm really, I need a lot of spiritual, spiritual help. So I'm coming to spend some time in, in your company so that I, some of your great, you know, good qualities can rub, rub off onto me. So then he told me, Aapko kisi ne galat pata de diya hai. Kisi ne galat number de diya hai. Mere paas kuch nahi hai. Aap kisi or ke paas jayein. Aap mujh, mere paas aayenge to kuch nahi milega. Something along those lines. He said, someone give you a wrong number. Someone give you a wrong address. You're the wrong person. I'm the wrong person you're, you're calling. I have nothing what you want. I have nothing what you want. You're not going to get anything from me. Subhanallah, you know, being frank as we are as Americans, I just told him. I said, that's exactly why I'm coming to you. Because of what you just said. I said, that's the thing. I said, this aspect of absolute humility and humbleness is what we don't have here. It's what we call fanaiyat. Where a person loses himself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You remember the example I gave you the other day of looking into the uh, headlights of a car? If you look inside to the, into the headlights of a car for some time, the, what will happen? You will, you will not even be able to see your own hand and your own body. You won't be able to see it. You look down, you'll see like as though you don't exist. Imagine if this is a headlight, imagine the nur of Allah. When a person focuses on Allah's greatness and Allah's nur, and Allah allows His ma'rifah and His, His greatness to enter in your heart, you literally cannot see, see yourself. You can't, you can't see anyone and you can't even see yourself. You just become zero. Everything becomes zero, from hero to zero, as they say. Right? Everything will be zero, because in front of Allah, <laughs> there is nothing, there is no haqiqah. Allah is absolute everything. We are, when we, as soon as you think of Allah, you say, where am I? Right? That's the whole idea. Imagine if someone were to take the best NBA player, and he were to come, and he, he, he see him, he, you see him you know, uh, uh, preparing for a, what you call a game. 10 minutes, 20 minutes playing in the gym. And then he throws the ball at you. Yeah, come, come, hey, come. What are you going to do? You won't even be able to catch the ball. Like, uh, no, I can't do that. Like, I'm not going to even hold the ball. Why am I going to make a ridicule myself like this? After seeing you, I'm not going to even hold the ball. A good player would just lose his, lose his confidence completely. He's makhluk. But imagine you're looking at Khaliq. You're looking at Creator, you're thinking about Allah, you're making muraqab of Allah subhanahu greatness. The, the, how, can, how can a person ever think he's anything once he thinks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So this is the number one issue of today. Lack of humility due to, why did it come? Because we don't know who Allah is. So I said, Hazrat, you have that fana'iyat, that, that's what I'm looking for. I, and that's why I want to come spend time with you, because I need this. So Alhamdulillah, Allah blessed me and spent 10 days with him. This was in like 2007, um, I think so. Rahmatullah uh, alayhi, you know, passed away in, in 2011, if I remember correctly. So I was speaking to I said, you know, you all, you should listen. There's, there's no videos of him online or anything like that. So I just, I just thought, let me just show my students. Maybe I can get his voice something. I just YouTubed him, right? I just searched his name, Qari Amirul Hassan. All of a sudden, there was like a two-minute clip. A one and a half minute clip. That's it. One and a half minute clip with, someone, with a picture someone had taken from an old phone. Pla- plastered on there. No video. Just this one picture and his... And Jeeb, it was a dua of his. And in that, in, in that one dua, for one and a half minute, that's exactly what he's saying. Ya Allah, you know, make us humble. 
اینڈ ٹوڈے ہم کسی کی نہیں مانتے ہیں نہ والدین کی مانتے ہیں نہ استاد کی مانتے ہیں نہ شیخ کی مانتے ہیں کسی کی نہیں مانتے ہی سی لیونگ ایٹ ٹائم نو لسن ٹو اینی لسن پیرنٹس ٹیچر ایوری ون تھنگس آف دم سیلف ٹو بی سم تھنگ دس از دا یو نو بگیسٹ ڈیزیز دیٹ وی آر سفرنگ فرام اینڈ آئی In the madrasa, 65 years he served in the same madrasa. In that madrasa, I saw with my own eyes, on the day of Jummah, Hazrat was, you know, sitting, you know how you sit sunnah style? Sitting on the ground, sunnah style. Like, what do you call that? Not tashahud. Yaukur, what do you say then in English? Squatting. He's squatting, squatting with his tolia, with his towel on his back, squatting in line for the showers. Students are inside taking showers for Jummah. It was Jummah. The heat is there, it's, you know. And he's squatting, waiting in line. This man, this elder, subhanAllah, with hundreds and thousands, when you do i'tikaf, thousands of people in South India, when you do i'tikaf in Madras, every single year would do i'tikaf with him. Many of the uh, Shura members of Darul Anum Dioband were his murids, his students. Some of the most wealthy people I know, some of the biggest tannery owners, you know, leather tannery owners of India, of the whole country, who would fly around from factory to factory in helicopters, were his murids, were his students. But if you saw his room, maybe like uh, 15 feet by maybe 10 feet, no AC. And you think they don't want to serve their shaykh with the AC? He didn't want it. Right? He didn't want any of that stuff. His, all his belongings, everything was in a small tiny room, the size of maybe our restroom at home. Right? A larger restroom or master bedroom restroom. Everything was there. And he didn't have his own private bathroom, not a private shower. He would stand in line with the rest of the students to take bathroom and shower. And he would... Uh, Uh, Fajr time At this age too While I was present He would go knock around A knock at the dorms Waking the kids up for Fajr Alright So this is And <laughs> this is who he was And anytime People When I traveled with him by car Every single Like couple A couple kilometers They were requesting Please stop Hazrat the driver would say Hazrat this gown We're going through This village The people of the village Are requesting If you can please stop For five minutes Five minutes Just that's it But we have to get somewhere else No, they're all waiting. They're all waiting that your car is passing by. You have to just sit in the car. They just want to make ziyarah. So sometimes we would do that. After travel an hour, we would stop. He would not even get out of the car. Whole bunch of people surround the car. Right? He's very soft-spoken. And they would just bring some chai. How can I drink some chai? And then he would, he'd been drinking so much. He would just take one sip and give it. And then he would emphasize on the sunnah. If you would see someone, I'm being honest, what do you say? You would talk about sunnah. And if you would see an elder person, you know, an older person who would come to make, shake his hands to make dua. You know, they all love him. So that's why he can say whatever he needs to say. He said, Bhai, aap toh bude ho gayo. Abhi aap toh shadi ke chakkar mein toh nahi ho. Toh ab kis wajay se aap daadi mundwa rahe ho? Daadi rakh lo bhai. Aap toh bude ho gayo. If you see someone without a beard, he would say, you're old. You're in your 50s, 60s, whatever. Now which girl are you running after? Or which girl is going to run after you? Yes, keep your beard. Stop worrying about this. So he would, he would give this subhanAllah, people would be, their hearts would melt. Right? He would, he would give the simple piece of advice. Keep your, 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 your trousers above your ankles. Make sure you do your miswak. Make sure you, you, you go to the masjid. He would say, go to the masjid. Don't ever ask what time is salat jama'ah. Ask what time is adhan. He would always say, never ask what time is jama'at. What, he said, what do you and I have to do with jama'at? Iqamah time. For what? We need to find out when Adhan is happening. And he would try his best always, and I noticed that when I was there all the time. Every Adhan, he would listen inside the masjid. 
Every adhan, he would listen to it inside the masjid. Meaning he would be inside the masjid before adhan. And adhan is not five minutes there before. At least between 20 minutes to 30 minutes. Right? But that was the ma'amul. He would say that wherever you go, do not ask for the iqamah time. Ask for the adhan time. Another thing he would mention among Abra al-Haqq Dhamad Barakatuhum, his advice, he would always say, make sure the biggest thing we need to do, important work we need to work on is ghibah. Staying away from ghibah. The, you know, we, we may not be able to do a lot of good deeds, but at least don't commit sins. And one of the most common sins amongst us is ghibah. So he would quote Mawlana Abra al-Haqq Muhi Sunnah, rahmatullahi and he would say that when you're, uh, if you, uh, do not, the rule should be that do not speak uh, do not speak about anyone in their absence. Do not speak about anyone in their absence. Because as soon as, even if you are praising them, even if you are praising them, shaitan will ensure that after a few minutes, you end up saying, but, or this or that, and make you, make you say a few words of backbiting. A few words of backbiting. So you'd say, you'd just make a rule that you just simply don't speak about people in their absence. Subhanallah. So these are some of the many beautiful things that he had. And that's why it's so important. Yesterday, many of you were treated with getting a, a, a ru'ya and a visit of Qari Bashir. Namun barakatuhum. Those of you who are not there, you know, he was, alhamdulillah, he was here after Aisha in his 90s, almost 90. And he's been over 60 years in Masjid al-Nabawi. As a te- the eldest teacher, the most senior teacher, or the longest serving teacher in Masjid al-Nabawi. Alhamdulillah, imagine spending 60 years next to the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And what brought him here at this age? Just the love of the Qur'an. Oh, one more thing I'll tell you. Qari Amin Hassan, just like Qari Bashir, he'd really focus on tajweed, tajweed, tajweed. So then, he would say, Malabrar Haqsab, one day he went into an elevator with some other you know, people. And he said, someone said, what floor do you need to go on? What floor do you need to go on? So he said, Tiu. Uh, he said, what? Tiu. So then someone whispered him, Hazrat, you mean two? Do you mean two? He said, two. He said, no, Hazrat, isko two nahi kehte, isko two kehte. You know, whispering to that shaykh, astaghfirullah, what are people going to laugh at you, say like this, man, thank God it's just in one elevator, just four or five of us. You know, you don't call this two, you say two. So then he would say, you think it's disrespectful, and it looks how, f- it makes me look a fool, it makes me a fool to say two. How do you think every single day when you recite the Quran in majhul, when you see Audhu Billahi Minash Shaitan, when you say Bismillah Rahman Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. He said, when you read like this to Allah, you don't feel ashamed? He said, just by saying from two, I know how to say two, but I did it on purpose. That if I say two, I say two, you, you say this is wrong. And you all, you're never going to allow me to just say that. You're going to correct me. How are you a whole life you've been reading Quran wrong? And you're reading Majhul, Do, Lahe, all this like this in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't feel ever thought that you should correct that? So he would correct people like this. Mu'abrah al-Aqsab was really about tajweed. And I'll say, when I went to the Khanqa, the Zawiya, they, they focus on tajweed so much, like Qari Bashir sahab, subhanAllah. They have Shaykh al hadiths coming, literally, I'm not joking. They have people who've been teaching Bukhari for 20 years, 30 years. You have people who are uh, fiqh ustads, muftis, this, that, they come. Hazrat, we came to spend time with you. Okay, no problem. You can spend time with me. But you have to attend the halaqa, halaqat. Okay, oh, I said, okay. The halaqa, what is the halaqa? The halaqa of adhan. Halaqa of adhan. Halaqa of uh, iqama. Halaqa of salat. Kayfiyat of salat. Halaqa of surah fatiha. No matter who you are, where you came from, every single person who would attend the zawiyah, the khanqa, of Mawlana uh, uh, al and then later on, Qari Amir al-Hasan, rahmatullahi alayhi, you would have to go through these things. And he said, we don't care your seniority. If you, and if you can't, there's a go. That was it. That was the biggest first test. 
If you can't say, you say, I'm this big shot scholar, you're telling me I'm gonna sit and recite Surah Fatiha to you, to this group? Say, okay, go. Because only those people who want to be humble are, are, can, can benefit from this place. So learning at the age of 60, 50, 40, or being a, ha- or a qari to sit there and say, okay, I'm ready to humble myself and allow you to slap me around and fix my tajweed, that's, that is a testimony to humility. And if you have a problem with that, then, then you have a problem with your own self. So many times, teachers would be firm and strict. And these regards is to break the nafs. Break the nafs. Like a drill sergeant. If you ever watched a drill sergeant <laughs> boot camp video. Alright? Boy, they, the, the way they destroy that nafs is crazy. Subhanallah. So this is sometimes, I'm not saying this was the norm, but sometimes mashayikh are strict. And the goal of that strictness is to make sure that this person's nafs should be broken. And then they would usually couple it with unbelievable kindness as well. You know, Bashira wa nadira. Not always just harsh. Softness as well and harshness, both back to back. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I just shared these stories with you. This is my memories of, of him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow all of us to spend time in the company of these pious people who are alive. Before a time will come when you'll be just sharing stories and you'll say, Hi, oh, we wish we met so and so, we wish so and we met so and so. Whoever is alive, let's benefit from them. Let's travel. How blessed we were yesterday to see him, his face, subhanAllah, Qari Sab. MashaAllah. He's in Michigan now. He left in Michigan. So he's going to be there for four or five days. He's going to go, or one week, and he's going to go to Dallas for one day. And then he's going to England. It's on a three month journey at this age. May Allah preserve him, protect him. May Allah allow him to come, bring him back again and again here. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Beloved friends, so these two du'as, they are speaking about humility and humbleness in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so if, if we, should not feel, we should not feel bad to say, I'm, I'm, I'm sinful, I'm neglectful, I'm, I, am, I'm, 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 I made mistakes. I would, like, I would recommend to you a book, it's called Prayers for Forgiveness, by Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullahi It's downstairs in our bookstore. Some of you may have it at home. Small book, just like the salawat book we have, that we do here on Thursday nights. Same size, just like that. Printed by White Thread Press. Prayers for Forgiveness. That's what it's called, right? Right? By Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullahi It has 80 du'as of istighfar. He was inspired. He was inspired. Allah put it in his heart. It's a whole, how this happened, how he met someone in Hajj. And they were reading these du'as and how he heard it from them. And it had been passed down. It gives you an idea of how to ask Allah forgiveness. Because like I said, we don't know how to ask forgiveness. We don't know how to be humble. So if you want to know how to be humble, then this is a book that I would recommend that we read. Uh, and it will inshallah soften our hearts. And inshallah will make us cry. So if we can't read it and once a week, once a month or so, whatever the case may be, we should read it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He just told Allah, I've been afflicted and you are most merciful. This is my condition. What did Allah do to him? So we answered it. Done. We answered it because he was sincere. So for dua to get answered, we need to have genuine sincerity. It could take even one minute or less. But sincerity must be present. We removed whatever type of ailment was upon him. And then, we gave back to him the joy of his family and along with them, the like of them besides. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was so kind to them, was so kind that not only did he get a, remove his difficulty, 
But Allah Jalla Jalalhu multiplied that with so many more blessings that he did not have before. What else? وَذِكْرَ abidin, And as a reminder of Allah's relief for the devout worshippers. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made His story a source of... A source of what? Of reminder. That anyone who is in this... Anyone who is in His shape, anyone who is in His form, anyone who is in His state, learn from the lessons of um, Ayyub alayhi salam. And inshaAllah, if you turn to Him... If you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will also get you out of this mess, whatever mess you are in. That's what I mean, dhikr al-abideen. This is not specific for him. Anyone else who follows in these footsteps, you will find that Allah is waiting to accept your prayers. وَإِسْمَعِيلَ وَإِدْرِيسَ وَذَا الْكِفْلِ And mention these other prophets as well, Ismail, Idris, and Dhul Kifl. All of them were patient ones. Now the Qur'an does not mention much details here of these prophets. And the Quran says, Some of the prophets we've shared their stories with you, and some of the prophets we have not shared. Only 25 or so prophets' names are mentioned. Majority, vast majority, hundreds and thousands of stories are not mentioned. And those who are mentioned also, few points. Look here, this, their, this story, this, their, their whole full story is not mentioned over here. One aspect is mentioned. All of them were patient ones. Mean, in order to be patient, what happens? In order to be patient, Huh? Exactly. In order to be patient, you have to be tested. So basically, all prophets were tested. That was the common factor, a common denominator amongst all of the prophets. They were all tested. And then they all, mashallah, were patient. Sabr in comparison to iman is like the head in comparison to the body. When patience is lost, iman is lost. When the head is gone, when the head is gone, what's gone? The body is gone. So we'll see that iman is built of two, uh, two things. Half of it is sabr, half of it is shukr. But nothing outdoes sabr. And this is due to Allah's wisdom, that He is aware of everything. We can never understand fully His, His wisdom. But a person who believes and knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and knows His names, he should know that every single thing eventually will be turn out good for a believer. The end result, the good result will be for the believers. So although I'm suffering right now, I don't know why I'm suffering. I don't know when this started, how it started, when it will end, how long it will continue. But I must have this faith that if I stay with taqwa and ihsan, 100% I will succeed. That's the rule. That has to be. Getting off the train is not an option. When a person is on a roller coaster, you've been on a roller coaster, right? Maybe. So, a roller coaster, it can get pretty crazy, some of them. And they, 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 people travel far and wide to go sit in the most dangerous one. Imagine you go on a roller coaster that's above your uh, ability to handle. You're halfway through, it's maybe half a kilometer long, a roller coaster, and it's going crazy, and you're sc- everyone's screaming. Two options you have. One is to just close your eyes and scream and hold on. And the other one says, this is too much. I'm about to vomit, I'm puking already. I need to jump off midair. What do you think? Should you jump midair? Huh? This is crazy. This is really bad uh, roller coaster. So I need to get off. Yeah, exactly. If you get off, then there's definitely going to be a last roller coaster of your life. Right? <laughs> That's done. Over. 
no matter how bad it is, the smart thing is that you stick on. Because deep down you know, and most people do that, we don't really hear about people jumping out. But the most people do know that this is not haphazard. The tracks of the roller coaster are set. And they're being controlled by a multi-million dollar machine and a full-time engineer sitting there. Malfunctions once in a while do happen being a human, but usually they don't by the number of times we're using them. So, although he's scared and he's screaming, but in his heart he knows he's not going to die. Yeah? Because he knows this is a set track. It's not haphazard. As though as random and as surprising the moves may be, deep down you know it's not random, it is going on a set track. And so that's how life is. Life may seem very, you know, full of turmoil and, and uncertainty and causing you anxiety and uneasiness. You have two options. One is to jump. What does jumping mean? A person takes his life, kills himself. Number two, jumping mean, I'm going to jump the boat of Islam. Jump off the boat of Islam and say, I'm done with this. So both of these things are absolutely useless ways to, absolutely erroneous, wrong ways to deal with the situation. Instead, we need to buckle up. Stay put. If you need to scream, go ahead. Do whatever you need to do. But deep down, you need to know that the end result within, within what? 15 seconds, 20 seconds, all going to end. My family is going to be waiting for me there. And then we're going to go on the next ride. <laughs> That's it. So all, no matter how challenging the day may be, may Allah allow you and I to remember this example, right? When we're going through difficult times. That no matter how long your difficulty, or how challenging it may be, you got to realize it will end. It has to end. You've heard the story of a king who told his wazir that I want to wear, I, I have a ring here, and this ring, I want to put a, I want to put a beautiful, powerful statement in the a stone of this ring, engrave it in it. That every time I look at this ring, it should uh, give me solace and comfort. Write something on it that will give me solace and comfort 24-7 when I look at that ring. So, and it will, it will be, it will be uh, beneficial for me no matter what time I look at it. So subhanAllah, he wrote on that ring, he got it inscribed, he said, Ye waqt bhi guzar jayega. Right? He said, this time will also pass. That was what it had. This is it. This is what he wrote. And so he said, you can look at it, because if you are in a very, having a very bad day, very sad day, you can look at it and say, okay, you know what? This is going to end. It has to end. Because zamana and earth and, and time is all fani. It's all makhluk. And everything inside it is also makhluk. So if the, if, the, if the varf has to end, the madruf has to end. If the, uh, the ex- container has to end, then what's inside the container must end. So this problem has to end. And if you're having a good time, then also look at it. To, to say that, you know what, this is not going to last forever. Enjoy what you have right now. Allahu Akbar. Enjoy what you have. Value it. Benefit from it. Uh, you know, cherish every moment that you have. This time is not going to come back again. Cherish, let's cherish our health. Let's cherish the presence of our parents. Let's cherish the presence of our children. Let's cherish the presence of our, our spouse. Let's cherish the presence of peace and security in the country. Let's cherish the presence of food, plentiful food that we have. Alright, enjoy everything. Don't rush through life. Any, whether it's a lettuce you're eating, cucumber, eating a burger, steak, or playing with your kids. These times are very beautiful, enjoyable. And if you're ha- not having any of those things, then remember that also time will also go away. And inshallah, in Ma'al Usri, Yusra. With difficulty, ease will come. With difficulty, ease will come. Inna ma'al usri yusra. That's our belief. So this is a really powerful ayah here. Kullu min as-sabirin. That all the prophets were tested 
and all of them were patient. Allah Jalla Jalalu says in Surah Ahqaf, Fasbir kama sabra ulul azbi min al-rusul. O Rasulullah Sallallahu remain patient the way the honorable, the honorable ones and the, what we should say, the, uh, the, uh, the, the prophets who had extreme perseverance, the way they remain patient, O Rasulullah Sallallahu you need to be patient. Someone may tell us, brother, you always tell me to be patient. I'm tired about tired about this. Allah is telling Rasulullah again and again, be patient, be patient. And Allah is the one who's putting him through this. And Allah is the one who's putting you and I through that. That's part of it. It's exactly like a doctor giving you a shot. Or, or, and he's telling you, please be patient. But you're the one who's doing it, exactly. I'm giving it to you for your benefit. Although I'm the one who's administering it. And it's gonna hurt you a little bit, sting you. But I'm asking you to uh, be strong and be patient. So Allah, why is He giving it then? Because hopefully there's some benefit for us in that procedure, in that injection. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us through ahwal. All of us. We're going through different things every day. Turmoil in our mind, in our heart, stress, this, that. But we should always have this hope that there is a reason why I'm going, being put through this. This is part of my training and this is part of my preparation to meet Allah in a state that He is happy to see me. This is going to make me worthy of sitting, hopefully, at least meeting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah says in Surah Tur, وَاصْبِرْ لِحُكْمِ رَبِّكَ Remain patient in front of the command of your Lord. So, remember, there's a saying, إِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمَرَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بِمَا أَمَرَ بِهِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ Allah has ordered the, pro- the prophets with whatever He's ordered the believers. Or Allah has ordered the believers with whatever He's ordered the prophets. Meaning, whatever command the prophets were given, it's also a command given to us. So if the prophets have been given the command to be patient, then that is meant, that is meant for us as well. Sabr is of three types. Just as a quick uh, reminder, sabr, to be patient while doing good deeds. In order to do good deeds, difficulty will come. Coming for Salat al-Fajr in the cold, at 10 degrees doing wudu is hard that will require sabr uh, volunteering somewhere and not being appreciated is going to require sabr uh, you know serving people while being, uh, while being made fun of and while being called names or, or, or mocked is going to require sabr any, any ibadah that you do things will happen and you cannot say uh, I'm, you know this, this word I'm burnt out right I'm burnt out. That's the whole point. The thing is, you have to make sabr. How would you say to a man who's going to a battlefield? Seriously, a battlefield. Traditional battlefield, a modern day battlefield, whatever. You can imagine in the, you know, in the midst of the fight, a, a, a soldier telling his general, hey, I'm burnt out. You know, Peace out, I'm peacing out. Khalas, you take over. What are you talking about? Why did you even come here then? Right? What kind of soldier says that? You fight till your last breath. You fight or you die fighting. That's it. So there's no such thing as burnout. Yeah, of course, you have to go take a drink of water. You take a little bit of uh, rest. You need to rest in order to move forward. But there's no such thing as I am calling it quits. Because there's something wrong with us in the first place. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put us through tests. And you cannot call it quits. There's so many dini efforts that people get involved in and then they leave. There are many examples of that. You, you apply it in your own life. 
So many different efforts of deen, volunteering things that people are part of, and then they leave. He graduated out of that. It's sad. But the thing is, why? If you look down, he's upset about something. He's angry. Someone said something. Someone did something. He got burnt. Whatever else. And then they start saying, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't feel beneficial in doing that anymore. Uh, you know. The example is the effort of Dawah and Tabliq, very common. You'll see a lot of people go and then they say, oh, khalas, I got someone said this, I'm done. But subhanAllah, who are we doing this in the first place for? Who are we doing it for? If someone says something to you and you leave, any type of volunteering work, if someone says something and you leave, then you ask yourself, where was our ikhlas? This is a serious question. Because we were, if we were doing it for others in the first place, we never got any reward. If you're doing it for Allah, then understand this is part of it. You will always, always face opposition. And you will face opposition by who? Not only enemies and outsiders, you will feel opposition by your own people. So if you want to start the work of deen, any one of us sitting here wants to do anything, you want to stand up to this, uh, you know, this new thing is happening right now, this cannabis thing we're working on. Then there's a bigger issue than that maybe, is that uh, you know, the type of uh, the disgusting literature that's being brought into the public schools. I know I was happy in different states, different areas. One of the local brothers showed me all the stuff that's happening here locally in our local libraries and our local public school, the type of books that are, are being brought in. And uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. So now you stand up to op- for opposition of this. You will have your own people. I promise you, people praying salah next to you say, kya karo, yaar? Kya time karo? What are you wasting your time? Allah Allah karo? Huh? So you'll say, what? What are you talking about? My, your kids, my kids all go to this school system, public school system. And they're all being exposed to this filth. If I stand up to this, why are you, what is, what is your problem? Why do you think that I'm wasting my time? So this is how it is. Everyone, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, remember this verse, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ عَدُوًّا شَيَاطِينَ الْإِنسِ وَالْجِنِّ Indeed, we have already ordained, we've set, Allah says, Ja'alna, I have already made enemies for every Nabi. I have already set aside enemies for every Nabi. Shayateen from the humans and shayateen from the jinn. He mentioned shayateen from the humans first. Every Nabi already has enemies. So whenever you stand up to do, Allah could have made it easy without any enemies and let the prophets enjoy a luxurious easy life. It's mashallah, murids from the first day, sahaba from the first day, everything easy set. Ma'idatim min sama coming every single day. No. Allah who loves the prophets, He made them go through so much. So doing any type of work, it will expect opposition. Any type of work. You might, I'm telling you for the brothers who are doing this, uh, trying to create awareness for this cannabis thing, or the school board. You'll see, you'll see but people telling you, why, why are you doing this? So, oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Anything you start, you will find opposition. This salawat, you tell someone, pass, hey, brother, you have the salawat goal. But kya yaar, dul sharif, dul sharif. World Cup ke baare to baat karo yaar. Speak about the world. People fly all the way to Pakistan, to, I know many brothers flew to Australia to watch the match. Right? I told those people, some of the Pakistani brothers, I said, listen, you can't fly, but at least you can do one million salawat for the Pakistani team. I don't know if they did it or not. I said, why don't you do one million salawat, Allah give them success. That's something people, you can't say, it's the dalil guy. They don't need dalil for this, but flying to Australia to go watch a thing, there's no need dalil for that, of course. It's crazy. So the thing is, whenever you do, no one will say, if you want to do any deeny work, you will find opposition, is my point. So you ha- sabr ala ta'a is something we need to understand. That if you want to do deeny work, understand this. May uh, our principal, Mona Shabir, 
back in South Africa and my Ustad Bukhari I was being uh, bullied in school by some students and, and I, told, I told one of my Ustads he went and tell, told him so then he called me to the office and he said what is it I heard you're getting bullied and I said yeah it's a, and I heard you want to leave so he told me so I was very young you know like him uh, at that age and he told me he said he had already visited Chicago in 1998 when, I, when we were studying in South Africa within two months he came to visit Chicago that was his first and last time so he visited uh, he was with my, my, my father hosted him took him around and he took him to the original place where Darussalam was where we planned to build Madina, Madrasa Madinatul Salihin one Madrasa Madinatul Salihat which was in Kankakee, Illinois he went to that land saw that all these things this is 98 long before any of this came around so he told me one thing subhanallah he told I was 13 years old he said, I saw your, your, your father's plans of building a madrasa and all this stuff that he wants to do. <laughs> and uh, remember, I'm a first year student. He says, do you, you think you're going to be able to do all this stuff? You want to go back and your dad has all these hopes that you're going to go back and do some work of deen. How are you going to be able to do anything if you cannot withstand some bullies in your class? He said, you think running a madrasa is easy? What do you think? I have no idea, I'm 13 years old, I have no idea what a random madrasa is supposed to be like. Yeah, now I know, but that time I didn't know, subhanAllah. And he said, if you, this is part of it, that you have to have thick skin. You have to know how to navigate with people who oppose you, people who dislike you, people who are jealous of you, people who hate you. You have to know how to navigate that, and you have to know how to survive if you want to be able to do anything. MashaAllah, how powerful, insightful words of our Ustad. Wallahi, it was amazing. I sometimes, I, I went through a lot of difficulty, definitely, in my studies abroad. And um, it was very tough moments I've had. Many times I wanted to come back, many, many times. Because I was done, call it quits. But subhanAllah, my parents kept on pushing me, my brother kept on pushing me, and you know, it, was, it, was, it was, went through a lot of stuff, various things. And main thing is dealing with people, it was very hard. You know, people think it's easy to just jump on a flight and go study abroad, it looks fun, it looks cool. Go study with the lions in, you know, of Africa. Maybe it'd probably be easier to study with lions of Africa than study with people sometimes. But that's the thing. If you know how to handle people, that people are the ones who cause the biggest problem. If you know how to handle people, uh, then you can handle, you got to juggle with people. Then, you should, then you'll be able to handle anything. That's where the testing comes about. And that's why today we have so weaklings. People don't go. That was like boot camp for eight years. It trains you how to be able to handle people. And today, smallest things happens, brother, I'm, quit. I'm calling it quits. I can't handle this. It is. We're, we're, we don't have thick skin anymore. We have to. You have to. If you want to do some great work, you have to build thick skin. You have to be able to handle insults and all those stuff. Is it easy? It's not. It's still not easy. But that training definitely did help. That's a wisdom of Allah Azza wa Jal, subhanAllah, that I didn't understand at that time. Why we're going through all of that. But this is something that the prophets have gone through and all of you hope, I hope Allah takes great, great work from all of us. It doesn't all have to be a madrasa, it could be whatever it is. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use us for some major change in this world. But understand that you will have to do sabr. So don't sign out as soon as you see opposition. Rather understand that the reason you're seeing opposition is because you're doing something right. If you're doing something wrong, there would be no opposition. Everyone would support you on that. Number two type of sabr is sabr ala anil ma'siyah. The sabr staying away from sin. Staying away from sin. So that's a third type, second type. And the third type of sabr, sabr anil shahwa, is to stay away from desires. Meaning it might be halal, but it's just my desire. 
Or it might be halal, but I'm taking more than I need to. Like eating, drinking, sleeping, or any of the other things, talking, whatever it may be. Something may be halal, but to do more than necessary, you have to make sabr. Additionally, one example, one other type of sabr is added, sabr ala al-masaib. Sabr in the face of difficulties. Any type of difficulty, loss of wealth, loss of life, etc. Allah Jalla Jalal who says, Wallahu yuridu an yatuba alaykum. Allah his irada. What does Allah intend? Allah intends to accept your tawbah. Allah intends to turn towards you. Allah intends to give his attention to you. Wallahu yuridu an yatuba alaykum. So that's irada of Allah. Allah is telling us He wants to focus His attention on you. He wants to accept your tawbah. وَيُرِيدُ الَّذِينَ يَتَّبِعُونَ الشَّهَوَاتِ أَن تَمِيلُوا مَيْلًا عَظِيمًا And those people who follow their desires, they want you to go off track. Not a little bit. مَيْلًا عَظِيمًا Completely off track. مَيْلًا is to jump off the... What? The course. Jump off the uh, roller coaster. مَيْلًا عَظِيمًا Mail means to turn around. Right? To get off track. مَيْلًا عَظِيمًا so the uh, people who follow their desires, people who follow the shahwat, the people of sin, they want everyone to follow into hell with them. That's why they're not happy with their disgusting ideas. They want you to either become exactly like them or vocalize to say you support them. But why? You do whatever you want, you jump into the thing pit yourself. Why? You no, no, no. Misery loves company. We're going to go to hell, we're going to take you with us. This is how shaitan works. You will see one person who listens to music. You see another person not listening to music. His roommate or classmate or car mate or whatever. Come on man, try this. No, why? I don't want to. But he will see, he will force him. He's vaping, he'll make the other guy vape. He's smoking, he'll make the other guy smoke. He's, he's using intoxicants, he'll make the other one do it. You will see, all of you know this. That these people who follow, their sin, follow a life of sin and who are people of fisk and fujur, they are never content doing it themselves. They must try to infect others. And that's subhanAllah, what a powerful ayah. This is Surah An-Nisa. That those who follow the shahawat, ayah number 27. Those who follow the shahawat, they want you to completely turn away from the right path. What does the shaitan do? When you're trying to do the right thing, Indeed that is shaitan who intimidates his friends. Now, this is why you say, Bi awliya. Intimidates you through his... Intimidates you through his... Friends, Shaitan promises you poverty. So that is why today you see, many times people will say, if you follow Deen, you'll become poor. If you follow Deen, no one will get. If you've become a student of knowledge, no one, you won't be able to get married. You won't have a job. You will be a scum of society. All if you if you go to the masjid, you get in trouble. If you drive wearing a thobe, you get pulled over. If you pray salah at the airport, you get arrested. All of these things people say. I'm sure all of you have relatives or friends you know say these type of things. Where is that coming from? That's shaitan. He, he's really controlling them through the fear card. He terrorizes them. And we fall for it. So understand that this is shaitan who is trying to make us afraid of following the deen. And someone gave this example. That the sahaba were like, People who had something, bottles or something in their hand, and deen, dunya was what was in their hands, and deen was the crown of their head. Sarkataj. Deen sarkataj ta. Dunya hato, hato me koi cheese apakar lene sa. Dunya was that which was in your hands, and deen was 
the crown on the crown jewel on the head. What happens? You're carrying a, two bottles of water. You're wearing a crown, legitimate golden crown. A, a thief tries to come steal the crown. What are you going to do? You're going to say, I got a bottle of water, brother. You take it. Is that what you're going to say? You're going to drop that. You're going to drop your laptop. You're going to drop your phone. You're going to drop your whatever you have, your car keys. Hey, you're going to grab your head. You're going to grab the crown on the head. He said, nope, you're not taking this. When you take your hands and, and put it on top of your head to save your crown, your dunya, whatever's in your hands will fall. That's how the Sahaba were. They, yeah, we have dunya, we'll use it. But better not affect our deen. The deen is what's on the head. We cannot allow anyone to touch our deen. We cannot allow anything, any job or any position to affect our deen. We will use the dunya as long as it doesn't affect our deen. And today it's the complete opposite. Deen is what's in our hand. We'll come for salah. We'll grow out our beard. We'll wear our hijab. We'll go to attend XYZ classes. And the dunya is on top. As long as my, my dunya doesn't get affected. As long as my dunya is not affected. Apply. Everyone applies to himself like this. That how, how willing are we? That subhanAllah, if we lose our dunya at the base of deen, are we willing to give that up? That is why Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu was mentioned um, in Hilya of Abu Naim, it's mentioned that Rasulullah told Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, Ya ibn Umar, deenaka, deenaka, hold on to your deen, hold on to your deen. Innahu lahmuka wa damuka. Indeed, your deen is your flesh and your blood. Flesh and your blood. Khud anil ladheena istaqamu. Take your deen from the people who are steadfast. Wala ta'khud anil ladheena malu. Do not take your deen from the people who've left the straight path. What is your deen? Lahmuka wa damuka. It's your flesh and your blood. That's deen. And another beautiful statement, subhanAllah, of, I want to share with you regarding uh, Umar ibn Khattab. He said whenever he would go through a difficulty, he would say three things. Make note of this. He says, Alhamdulillahi thalathan. Whenever a musibah, calamity would befall Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he would say, Alhamdulillah, how many times? Thalathan, three times. He says, number one, Alhamdulillahi idh lam takun fi dini. Allahu Akbar. Number two, وَالْحَمْدُ إِذْ لَمْ تَكُنْ أَكْبَرَ مِنْهَا وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ إِذْ أُلْهِمْتُ أَصَّبْرَ عَلَيْهَا Three things. Number one, Alhamdulillah, that this musibah did not affect, afflict my deen. Allah ka shukar ke deen mein musibat nahi hai, dunya mein hai. I'll praise to Allah that I, did, I got hit, but not in my deen, in my dunya. Number two, our praise belongs to Allah that the musibah is not bigger than it actually is. It could have been bigger. However big it is, it could have been bigger. Yeah? It could have been bigger. And the third is, Alhamdulillah, our praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I have been inspired to remain patient. What if I didn't remain patient and I, I lost my life, I killed myself, I went crazy, then what? I started saying bad things about Allah. Then what? So three things. What was the first one? That it was not in my... Deen. Second one? It could have been bigger and worse. And third one? And that Allah inspired us to be patient. Right? You got that? And then let us cover a dua of Rasulullah regarding the same thing. Allahumma aslih lana deenana ladhi huwa iswan amrina. Oh Allah, take care of our deen, which is the crux of all of our affairs. If our deen is right, everything is our fight. So we're asking you, number one, to take care of our deen. وَأَصْلِحْ لَنَا دُنْيَانَ الَّتِي فِيهَا مَعَشُنَا And take care of our dunya in which we have to live. We live in this dunya, so we need to have, we need, the ship needs to move. So, 
Ya Allah, take care of our dunya in which we live. وَأَصْلِحْ لَنَا آخِرَةَنَا الَّتِي فِيهَا مَعَادُنَا or مَرَدُنَا And oh Allah, take care of our akhirah which we have to return to. Deen, dunya, akhirah. Deen, dunya, akhirah. وَجَعَلَ الْحَيَاةَ زِيَادَةً لَنَا مِنْ كُلِّ خَيْرٍ Oh Allah, make our life a means of increasing every goodness. Meaning every day extra that I live, make it a reason that my blessings, rewards are just increasing. Meaning I never go backwards. It's only progression. Every day brings progression. Every day brings more blessing. And O Allah, make my death a means of being saved from every evil. That when I die, Alhamdulillah, is the best time for me to die. Because I'm saved from a whole bunch of other things that are going to happen. That's one dua I want you to remember of Rasulullah Another dua, Allahumma la taj'al musibatana Allah do not put our musiba in our deen. This is such an important brother and sisters dua we have to make. I hope we don't lose our jobs. I hope we don't get sick. I hope we don't have problems, uh, you know, uh, other things. But there could be no problem bigger than us losing our deen. Missing of one salah is bigger than losing our jobs. If we don't believe that, then we're something wrong with our deen. If we don't believe that. Nabi Alayhi Salaam, what do you say? A person who's lost, who misses one salah, It's as though all of his wealth and his family have been perished, dead. And one of Fadail Amal Shaykh Zakir writes the example. You come home and you see your house is gone, demolished, everyone inside is dead. Think about the level of horror if that were to happen. La qaddar Allah. Equivalent to that and worse than that is one who misses a prayer. So Alhamdulillah, if we're not missing prayers intentionally, then mashallah, that's it. You know, that's the biggest reason for you to have a smile on your face. Everyone should smile. Smile right now. Alhamdulillah, say Alhamdulillah. What else do you need? The worst thing happened, I had this problem, a car accident, tire blew up, flan this thing, this. Did you pray your salah? You just prayed Aisha right now. Alhamdulillah, what else? You're praying salah, Allah is allowing you to put your head down in front of Him. What else you want? The billionaires of the world, the powerful people of the world, subhanAllah, who are the, thing, the ones who are winning the World Cup, whoever they may be. Unfortunately, most of them, probably non-Muslim countries, never going to get the ability to put their head down in front of Allah. So, what would you rather have? You be nobody and put your head down in front of Allah, or you have the World Cup and, and you are not gifted to be able to put your head in front of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to remind ourselves that these are the ultimate blessings that we have. Ni'mah of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَاسْتَجَبْنَا لَهُ uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, All of these prophets, we allowed them to enter into our mercy. Indeed, they were ever righteous. Inshallah, we'll stop here. Although I translated it, it's mostly done. But I would, uh, I mean, we read it. It's similar to what we talked about. But inshallah, I would like to add, since this is a powerful ayah, I know all, all of us know we call this ayat karima. La ilaha illallah I'm sure you would like me to spend some time on it. So we will, inshallah, continue from this uh, uh, next week. Uh, if there are any um, questions, you can utilize this uh, QR code or uh, sido.com 3260748. Uh, please mark your calendars uh, for the winter intensive, which is going to be happening December 23rd to 25th. December 23rd to 25th, please. Uh, mark your calendars for the winter intensive. Spread the word, inshallah. We'll have classes after Jummah until um, Sunday, 6 p.m., inshallah.
I request everyone to spread the word and, and book your uh, For those of you who are out of town Please book your um, tickets And plan to attend We have two Muslim owned hotels across the street You can book the hotels through our website And there's our tikaf available for brothers in the masjid During those days Okay, did Prophet Ayyub never ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for anything in the dua? So should we not ask Allah? No. Allah, that's not what I was trying to say. We learn from all the Prophets. Let's look at all the Rabbanas in the Quran. So many Rabbanas, about 40 Rabbanas in the Quran. Oh, our Lord, oh, from Allah teaches us to ask. Allah teaches us to ask clearly. Starting from there We're asking Allah straight Ya Allah give us this straight path Similarly the du'as of the Prophet ﷺ, You're clearly asking specific things I am just sharing with you How those two du'as are unique In the fact that they didn't openly Ask anything But they humbled themselves in front of Allah so much It's as though they're saying I'm so broke I'm so broken That I don't even have the ability to ask right now Just look at our Look how broken hearted I am Look at how Struck I am with sickness and difficulty that I can't have. I don't. Have, I can't have. I don't have the courage to even speak up. Allow, allow me. Allow me to get out of this mess. So, so that was a specific hal situation, uh, and sometimes you and I go through that situation where you can't. You just cry. You can't even have the words to ask Allah because you're just so heartbroken. You know, and that's that's even that's a different hal. That's a different condition. Uh, you mentioned that if we are criticized Then we should know we are in the right But if everyone agrees We may be doing something wrong um, <laughs> Okay, so these are things you, 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 you inshallah understand In the grand scheme of things When you are trying to do the work of deen And you, you are uh, you, you know, like I Something very obvious There's nothing wrong with it You made mashara with your teachers You made mashara with your scholars And they said this is something good Beneficial to do Start this deen work Start a Quran halaqa You know, uh, invite people to the masjid uh, Do a daily dhikr, etc And then people are start criticizing you And there's no merit to that from the sharia You ask the teachers You ask your people who you make mashara with Is there any merit to what they're saying? And say no, they're just criticizing Well then don't listen to that criticism That's what we're saying When there is no merit to the criticism Based on the sharia Then you move on When a jealous person says something Or any hater says something Look, is there any merit to this objection? Think about it No, you thought about it Cool, you ask a couple other people Do you have any, does this make sense? They say no it doesn't Then you move on That's what I'm trying to say how can we save ourselves from the trial in which a person sleeps as a believer and wakes up as a disbeliever? We have to, uh, I, we have to ask Allah Azza wa Jal, number one. Pray two rakat salat al-haja. Number two, uh, recite, رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِقُّلُوبَنَا بَعْدِيَدْ هَدَيْتَنَا وَهَبْلَ لَمِ اللَّذُنْكَ رَحْمَةً إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابِ Regularly from Surah Al-Imran. It's in the first page. Oh Allah, do not allow our hearts to become crooked once you have guided them. Number three, recite Surah Al-Kahf every single day, if not all of it. Then at least the first ten verses. In the last 10 verses, number 4, try your very best to follow the sunnah of Rasulullah in everything. Sleeping, eating, drinking, whatever it is. Following the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam in marriage, in, 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 in all the rites of in celebrations, everything. Following the sunnah of Rasulullah And <clears throat> number 5 is that try to find the company of the pious. Sit, and, sit in the company of the pious people and people whose hearts are alive with the remembrance of Allah. And inshallah, we will hopefully, it will help our hearts to remain alive. <clears throat> Um, I have so much guilt for a sin that I have trouble turning away from But I feel too shy to speak to anyone about it What should I do? Well in that case A person can 
you know, uh, use, you have email, you have WhatsApp, you have all sorts of ways to communicate with a scholar and, you know, not, uh, anonymously or whatever, no one's going to really know who you are. Uh, and if you want to do anonymously, that's fine. And you say, this is my situation and what is my way to uh, get out of this. Definitely you need to seek help. How do you mention to someone that they are not humble enough without angering them? <laughs> okay, so it, it, you know, sometimes we think people are not humble enough, but maybe, maybe there's something wrong with us also, just, just saying that. If you're going to tell someone that they're not humble, then you have to be, you rather say it like this. You say, this action made it seem as though there is a hint or a tint of pride or arrogance. So you don't know, because how do you know what's inside the heart? You can say your action, XYZ action, made it seem. And then you write a note and leave it in the shoes. In the shoes. Right? You leave it in their mailbox. Type it up and so they can't watch your handwriting, right? Figure out the handwriting. Whatever. So, I mean, there's different ways to do that. You don't have to openly say that to them. Sending this message to them would be a good way. And if you care about someone, you should do that, actually. We, we need more people like that, who care about one another, who love one another, and if they see something wrong, they will go out of their way to actually write something like that and share with them. What are simple but profound ways to control the nafs? One way is to fast. Control the nafs, a great way is to fast. Number two is uh, lots of dhikr. Istighfar, salawat, tasbih. And also punishing the nafs when we don't do what we're supposed to do. So if we don't do our salah with jama'ah, or we don't do our dhikr, or we don't do our tilawah, then the nafs likes to eat something, less likes to go somewhere. Then we say, no, we're not going to give it. So we have, to, we have to train the nafs in those ways. This is a very big thing. If you think training a parrot or a dog is hard, training the nafs is way harder. It's not easy. And it, we can't train ourselves. We can take basic step, steps, but reading the books written by our scholars on tazkiyah is a start. Right, reading the books written by our scholars in Tazkiyah, in English, in Arabic, in Urdu, whatever it may be, it's classical scholars or, or current scholars, contemporary scholars, reading their books on Tazkiyah to Nafs is, is, will help a lot. How do we know if we're keeping dunya on top of our head? Well, look at every time there's a clash between what Allah is asking, what Allah, the deen is demanding, and what the people of the dunya are asking, where do you usually turn? Um, how do you have thick skin and learn how to deal with bullies? It's a good question. So this is, again, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for strength, for patience. And thinking, I mean, you know, this is a mindset a person has to create. I would, if you're going through, if you're going through a, a crisis of being bullied in school or cyberbullying, or in the office too, by the way, there's a lot of bullying that happens in the office. So then a person should seek help. Because if you don't seek help, it doesn't necessarily mean you will learn how to handle it yourself. And it can have horrible consequences. It can break you long term. It can emotionally destroy you if you do not learn how to navigate through these type of situations. So if someone thinks that they're being bullied, I would not say just suck it up and stay strong. I would say share it with someone. Ask someone, to how do I deal with the situation? Because many times it's our own statements and actions that cause bullies to continue their bu bullying, actually. There's one, two things you have to do, and that will end it. 
but we don't know that we're supposed to do that. Are we too scared to do that? And that just continues to become a means of, uh, you know, uh, perpetual, uh, perpetually being bullied. How do we learn to know the feelings and emotions of others? This is ilm, in, ilm laduni, huh? <laughs> so this is again ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us this sixth sense because in order to in order to give good da'wah or to be good in interaction good in interacting with people, we have to have wisdom and that wisdom comes with knowing who our audience is. It's necessary, very necessary. It's very hard to be a good effective da'i, effective uh, effective in doing the dini work without being and without having wisdom and without knowing who your audience is and what the emotions are. I don't know if there's, a, if, if there's a quick answer for that besides asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for wisdom and uh, maybe there are classes that teach people how to build EQ and how to, how to read expressions and things of that sort. I'm sure there must be out there. When someone gets sick, what dua should I make? Uh, the dua from hadith is As'allah al-Azim, Rabbal Asha al-Azim, an yashfiyak. As'allah al-Azim, Rabbal Asha al-Azim, an yashfiyak seven times. The Prophet said, whoever recites this dua seven times, Allah Jalla Jalalu will grant him shifa from every sickness except for death. Unless death is written, every sickness he will be saved from. رَبَّنَا هَبْ لَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ عَيُونَ وَجْعَلْنَا الْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا These are the last ayats of Surah Furqan. This is the answer for who is wanting to, what dua should we make to protect our children? Alright, Rabbana, O Allah, grant us in our spouses and our children the coolness of our eyes. So, and that is one of the duas to make. And can dua be made during sujood? Yes. Dua can be made in, in nafil salah, uh, Allah maghfirli, etc., in, the, in, in, in sujood. In fard, the person should, uh, if we are, uh, you know, focus on just doing the tasbihat. The tasbih that we have. Okay. Inshallah, this is as again the flyer that I mentioned, December 23rd to 25th. Please, please mark your calendars for that. Open to brothers and sisters. And very, uh, like I think, very small, 25 50 or $30 or $50 minimum, minimum to a fee for especially those who come from out of state to cover our, barely cover our basic expenses. Maintaining morality, how to cultivate Islamic identity. Inshallah, so mark that. And, if, uh, and also just take a, if you are new to the tafsir, uh, you, can, you can sign up for the weekly reminders, inshallah. <clears throat> Again, we want to thank um, all of you for coming and all those students uh, who do khidma, the brothers who sponsor the snacks. May Allah SWT bless you all for all the, the khidma that you do of the masjid and, uh, and, and make it a means of happiness for you. Yes. Can you move up, brothers? Move up a little bit. La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
Astaghfirullah بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام لك السلام تبارك ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعزه التي لا ترام اللهم انا نسالك إيمانا دائما أو قلبا خاشعا وعينا دامعا ونفسا مطمئنة بك ولقائك اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاة تنجينا بها من جميع الأحوال والآفات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على درجات وتبلغنا بها أقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة بعد الممات إنك على كل شيء قدير Oh Allah, we ask you to accept this gathering. Oh Allah, whatever khair and good was shared, indeed it was from you. Make enable the speaker and the listeners to put into practice. Oh Allah, all the good and all the good qualities of the pious that were mentioned. Oh Allah, make it easy for all of us to implement these in our lives. Oh Allah, make us men and women of great qualities. Make us men and women who have the qualities of the of Rasulullah Sallallahu and the qualities of the Sahaba Radiallahu Anhu Arda. Oh Allah, grant us complete shifa from all our spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical illnesses. Ya Allah. O oh Allah, purify our heart from all the filth that resides in the heart. O oh Allah, purify us from purify our tongues from all the misuse of the tongue. Purify our eyes from all the misuse of it. Purify our ears from all the misuse of it. Purify our hands, feet, our minds, and our hearts, and all the rest of our uh, limbs and organs of the body from all the filth that is, has come upon it due to its misuse, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, put nur in every single portion of our body, in every single strand of hair, put nur, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow your muhabba, your love, to fill up our hearts, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow us to be so engrossed in your love that we forget everything else, Ya Allah. That we cannot think of ourselves to be anything, in front, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow us to always regard ourselves to be absolutely insignificant in front of you, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, grant humility and humbleness within us, Ya Allah. Grant the ability to be patient and grant the ability to have full, complete reliance upon you, Ya Allah. Allow us, Ya Allah, to, to enjoy the blessings that you have given us and great, to be absolutely grateful for it, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, save us from any type of ingratitude, Ya Allah, to you. O oh Allah, save us from any type of ingratitude, Ya Allah. O Allah, save us from neglecting our worship, Ya Allah. Neglecting our ibadah and neglecting our uh, dealings and, and, and financial dealings, making mistakes in our financial dealings, making mistakes in our social dealings. O Allah, making mistakes in our belief system and our aqaid, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you to grant us correct aqidah, correct mindset, correct mizaj, correct temperament, the way you would want us to live as a Muslim, Ya Allah. O Allah, protect our progeny from leaving the fall of Islam. Protect us from leaving the fall of Islam. Protect our progeny, and our, uh, progeny from having doubts in Islam, Ya Allah. Protect all of us, Ya Allah, from ever having to, having to entertain any type of doubts about Islam, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant us the ability to recite the Qur'an profusely, profusely every day, every day, every day. Make us wrong those who recite the Qur'an every day. Make us wrong those who, recite, who do dhikr every single day. Make us wrong those who, uh, who love each other for your sake every day. O oh Allah, make us wrong those who fulfill the rights of one another for you every day. O oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to make us wrong those who, who no one can complain against. And no one will be able to point a finger at on the Day of Judgment. O oh Allah, allow us to settle all our debts in this dunya. 
Allah wants to settle all our debts in this dunya. So we come to you completely, ya Allah, clean, as a clean, fresh slate, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, allow this upcoming winter intensive to become a means of hidayah for thousands of people. Allow our community, our locals to benefit from it. And allow out-of-state people to benefit from it, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, all and any obstacles that may be in its, uh, successfully in being executed. Oh Allah, we ask you to remove all those obstacles, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs any one of us has, brothers and sisters, oh Allah, we ask you to grant them all what they're asking for, what they're hoping for, what they need, and more than what they are asking for, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, you become pleased with us. You become pleased with us. Allow us to lead such a life that our Prophet will be pleased with us. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Sabun wa Salaamun Al Musaleen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ameen. Jazakumullah khairah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.